Welcome to Your Highness Podcast, a show where we get comfortable with the uncomfortable, uncover areas of cannabis where accessibility and inclusiveness are lacking, and elevate conversations about ways to affect real change in this space. Listening to Your Highness Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Crash, and today I am joined by Mecca King of Cash Color Cannabis, a multimedia platform including a publication, a podcast, a video series, and much more. If I listed it all, we'd be here all day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thanks for you for speaking with me. I know this is our second attempt, and I'm glad it's going right this time. Right. Let's let's hope this all works out <laughs> in the end. No, <laughs> Fingers all crossed. Right. Yeah. So we're going to begin this episode as we do every episode with our recurring segment, Fave Pot and Fave Not Pot, where we each talk about our favorite cannabis related thing and our favorite non cannabis related thing. I'm going to begin with my Fave Pot. Um, I was sent a sample of these supplements, and I'm sure everybody's been hearing about the diet weed, right? Uh, <laughs> and I've been rolling my eyes for a very long time, and then I was like, you know what? Send me samples. Let me try it, you know? Um, so I tried it. Slim is the company, I guess, Sound Supplements. You can uh, check out their website. It's soundsup.com. Anyway, they sent me these pineapple and mango-infused gummy squares with CBD-V and THC-V blend. And I can't say that they helped me lose weight for sure because I don't own a scale. Otherwise, I'd never leave the house. But um, (laughs) I would say they definitely helped suppress my appetite and they helped me focus. Um, They didn't make me jittery and they were really delicious. Like I really could have eaten the whole container in like one sitting if I didn't know better. Um, So I'm actually writing about the topic of CBDV and THCV for Hetty Vermont right now. So looking Mm. for a more in-depth take on their site in the next few weeks. What's your fave pot, Mecca? My favorite right now is um, um, peanut butter breath. I, mm. I, I actually have an ounce of it at the house. I hope I'm not putting myself in a crazy position by saying that, but I actually have an ounce at the house. And um, it's, it's actually become my favorite strain. It's one of those things I like because um, it's a good hybrid. Nice. And it kind of, it's, it's, it's a good as far as mellowing my mood out. Um, but you know, it's crazy. I've been on a tolerance break for the last two months. Um, I haven't wow. been, you know, I haven't been strictly not smoking, but I've actually been limiting it for a while. Like I've, I've gone on breaks as long as two weeks and come back and just probably hit it for a day and then go back on. And, um, the longer I do this tolerance break, the more I realize I'm actually a micro doser. So, um, yeah, peanut butter breath actually works well for me because it can get me kind of, um, it can kind of um, bring down the hypeness that's normally in my body all day because I'm normally doing so much stuff. It brings it down. But as long as I'm not hitting like a full blunt of it, I won't go to sleep. I won't be like lethargic for the rest of the day or anything like that. So I'm getting more used to being that that part of my life that I'm realizing, one, that I'm a micro doser. And two, peanut butter breath really works for the kid. It's just yeah. I can't I can't I can't face a whole blunt of it without feeling like I'm about to watch a bunch of Netflix and do nothing for the rest of the day. Right. 
I'm, I'm at that point too. And I'm trying to, you know, do smaller amounts and less amounts of things. I don't use concentrates anymore, you know. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm oh, not saying you're I'm a concentrate off. person. I, I, I'm not like, you know, saying never ever again because I've learned to not say that. But I, you know, smoke less flat. Well, I use my PAX 3 for flour now. I don't really mm. smoke pre-rolls anymore unless they're free because the flour in Maryland is really terrible. So <laughs> the PAX oh, 3 helps weird. bring out like the terpenes and stuff like that. You know, you get like the maximum benefit. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a I'm not a concentrate person myself, but I will crush some. I have crushed some up and put it into a blunt before because I yeah. just like the taste. Like you say, the taste kicks in so well. It's like, oh my right. gosh, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I it made my it made my tolerance go too high. You know, I I had to yeah. take I had to take that out of my the equation because I mentally am the type of person that will just keep going even though like my body's like you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> like i can't always have the, the two don't always agree with each other you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yes i don't know if it's like an oral fixation or what but i'm always like i need to keep smoking and i i don't i don't need to so i've been trying to smoke hemp instead you know to kind oh. of like kind of even that out a little bit and that that is uh i never thought i'd be saying these things but i say you know i'm smoking hemp <laughs> yeah i was gonna say so how's hemp been working for you I actually really like it. If you get the quality hemp flower, you know, um, these hempettes, I think they're called the hemp cigarettes. They're just amazing because yeah. they, they keep, they keep me kind of like even keeled and more focused and you don't get high obviously, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it like takes away that craving of having to smoke something. So, yeah. because I used to smoke cigarettes. So I think uh, that's okay. like, so I can see that being a good substitute. It's a yes, it's a great substitute. So, uh, my fave not pot is actually recommendation from a guest uh, two two episodes back. <laughs> Shonda told me to watch Yellow Jackets, and I had already started. I watched one episode, and I was like, I don't know, because while I enjoy the survivor aspect of it, I was like, it's a little mm -hmm. bit too horror for me, you know. <laughs> It's on Showtime. It's a show. I'm going to read it a little bit. It says equal parts survival epic, psychological horror story, and coming-of-age drama. Yellow Jackets is the saga of a team of wildly talented high school girls soccer players who become the unlucky survivors of a plane crash in the remote northern wilderness. And oh. so, yeah. And, and I'm glad I gave it a chance and went all the way through because it definitely has some twists and turns. <laughs> and it ends on like a major cliffhanger. And so, yeah, I definitely recommend it. What's That's your fave awesome. not pot? I guess my fave not pot would also be, uh, well, I, I, I love watching documentaries. Um, mm -hmm. and I love watching like really cool sitcoms or really cool TV shows, especially thanks, thank, thank you that we have so many streaming platforms. We have a lot more options. Like one right. of my favorite non-pot shows have become um, the marvelous Miss Maisel on oh, I Amazon love that Prime. Show. Yes, that's so good. Oh, I'm <laughs> such a fan of the marvelous Miss Maisel. I like the whole entire show. Right now, me and my wife are on season two, so uh -huh. uh, we're halfway through season two, and I'm waiting to get, I'm ready to get through the rest of this because I just got to the scene where she, her father, finally realized that she's a comedian. Yeah. And I was like, oh, snap, I got to get, get through the rest of this because I was more blown away that people went away for two months on vacation. You know, right? like if you I ever know, watch right? the show. 
away that people do that. Like you can you can set aside two months of your life to go on vacation. That's yeah. a, you make a lot of money. Oh my god, right? And then also, like, I can get over what they do with the babies. They just put them in drawers. They're like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Just put Let this the baby, baby in, in the car. Drawer. Yeah, like, for like hours. They're like, oh, it'll be fine. I'm just gonna go it's unpack. The <laughs> yeah. It's the fifties. You know, <laughs> my second, <laughs> my second favorite non-pop thing right now is um, uh, it's called the Jasper Mall. It's a documentary about uh, oh, this yes. mall in Jasper, Texas. Yes, I can watch that one. every single day. Yes, that was kind of triggering new. for me. I've worked in a few malls and hair salons, and the last one I worked yeah. in was so similar to that one. I was like, "Is this in Florida? Are you sure it's really? not?" <laughs> really, really, I yes, was just so blown away by that mall, that movie. It's like all malls now, though. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Malls are, like, people don't talk about it enough. That documentary was so interesting, and I wish they had made it into a series because I really think that it could keep going, you know? It really could. You know, they could really chronicle a lot more of the, a lot other malls. Like, it, it didn't necessarily have to be Jasper. Like you mentioned, it's going on across the country. Like, I remember when right. I was in Charlotte, Eastland Mall used to be a really fun mall to go to. And then slowly but surely, some of the stores started moving and things, you know, like people started shopping online and it turned into a ghost town to the point where now it's a condo. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, the one nearby where I am now in Maryland, it's turning into a Whole Foods and I think a church or something. I mean, it's just it's always something else. Like nothing is yeah. there that used to be there. I'm glad I don't do hair anymore. That's for sure. Anyway, <laughs> going way off topic. that is a really good documentary and I highly recommend it. Um, those are some really good picks. <laughs> the one Thank I picked is much. not my usual is not my <laughs> usual pick. Just for the record, I'm more like, but it's it's well, a good one. It's a good one if you want something. Well, a definitely scary. check out the marvelous Miss Maisel if anybody's listening. Yes. Um, you might walk away um, speaking like you're in the fifties. Like you might say Miss Maisel, <laughs> <laughs> like over and over again. Her family cracks me up. Like the people, yeah. it's, she as in every Amy, Amy Sherman Palladino, and I really it's just like, Goss, uh, not Gossip Girl with the Gilmore Girls and this, it's like the main characters are the most annoying but everybody else <laughs> around them makes the show, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't mean, want to give a spoiler she, alert. Oh yeah, go I, ahead. I don't want to give a spoiler alert, but I really like the dynamic of her mother and father after they came back from um, Paris. Like, yes. I love them right now. Like, they're my oh, favorites God. right now. Like, I love how they take up for each other. They yeah. support each other. Like, it's so cool. And it gets even better with those two. Yeah. And I'm not going to spoil watch, it, watch but Ms. it's Mason. so good. Yeah, watch it. Um, and then also pay us to, to advertise that show. If anyone's yes. listening, Prime Video. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, switching gears a bit. Um, independent media is so important. I should say grassroots media because as I was looking at your website right before we started, I said, yep, grassroots media, that's it. It's so important, mm. especially in cannabis. Um, and forgiving the pun, right? Grassroots. But, I mean, how else can you... <laughs> right <laughs> uh, it's like everything around cannabis sounds like a pun it's but it anyway um <laughs> so having your own media empire is a different beast in this space like putting it lightly yes. right i mean yes. we're not going to go like too deep into that because it could be here for days but what are some ways that you see non-cannabis media differing from cannabis media because i know you have a an extensive background before even coming into the space to write about uh, plant medicine. Oh, the biggest difference is the ability to advertise. Um, mm-hmm. Like, 
say if you're dealing with music or if you're dealing with with sports, like my background is, is well, when it comes to journalism, my background was hip hop and mm-hmm. my background was basketball. It's way easier to draw advertisers to those kind of platforms because it's something that's kind of, it's been so part of our culture as far as um, just pop culture for so long that, you know, it's just kind of something that people would think is natural for me to pair and, and my brand with this. Where cannabis has been so, it's been part of our culture for, for, for forever, but it's also been, a, but it's been a negative part for so long. That even as now we move into a place where we're seeing more legalization, we're seeing um, more acceptance of the plant. It's still hard to get, um, let's say, non-cannabis brands to say, "I want to pair over here and I want to promote right. my brand," even though you know for a fact a, a cannabis consumer most likely would consume your brand. Like it's still not, it's still kind of hard to draw that. So I say that's right. probably the hardest thing to do. I think the second hardest thing to do, and um, I have to thank Reggie Osei. Reggie Osei is a, is a, was a is a podcast um, um, pioneer. He's a journalist. Um, well, he was. Rest in peace, Reggie. He used to be editor of the oh. Source. I had a chance to speak with him. Um, ooh, now this is like 2016 when mm-hmm. he came down to Atlanta for the A3C Festival, and this is around the time I was first starting up Cash Color Cannabis. And I asked him about why do we not see more cannabis coverage when it comes to hip-hop publications being that you know from snoop Dogg to wiz khalifa to red man to method man we've only seen hip-hop artists talk about and promote cannabis in their songs and his, his point was, was was accurate hip-hop media has never curated a cannabis writer like they've curated people who can cover sports and hip-hop you've curated people who can cover movies and hip-hop but you never curate anybody who covers cannabis and hip-hop and I think right. that that's still something that's going on to this day. And I feel like Cash Color Cannabis, I hope, I pray, is one of those things that can kind of help bridge that, is that we don't have a lot of writers who are specifically cannabis writers. You know, like mm-hmm. this is something that's a new thing and a new kind of term to people. So trying to find people who are writers who this is what your your area is and you're proud to do it is a hard thing to find. You know what I mean? Like, like you really got to, you don't have to dig deep. Like, I found a lot of great people from uh, my friend Ayana Edward, uh, B. Castillo. Oh, she's um, been Amanda on the show. Dorsey. Both of them. Yeah, both yeah, of them. Great, great people, great people. And they've all contributed to Cash Color Cannabis. And um, it's like that. Like, it's not hard to find, but it is hard no, to find. Like, you're not, not going to find a ton of people who, this is what you do. I think even more to that point, it's like difficult to prove to the people, even in the space, editors, I've had to really go a lot further than I thought I would to prove that there's an intersection with cannabis and other areas of your life, <laughs> you know? Oh, like I just wrote about how there's a childcare crisis, right? <laughs> in yeah. the world, in this country especially, but there's been a childcare crisis for over a decade, if not longer. And trying to prove why that was inter- like why that intersects with the cannabis industry was really difficult (laughs) like this is supposed to be an industry that created 400,000 jobs in the last couple of years or something like that Mm -hmm. right so how would that not intersect how is that not obvious people in this industry have children do they not (laughs) correct correct and and we're seeing and we're seeing a lot of people a lot of mothers in particular who are proud to say they're now a can of mom so it's not a shocking right. thing that you might have you know it's not a shock to, to to hear somebody open up and say that i am a mother and i consume cannabis and this is just part of my regular day so yeah it wouldn't be it's still it's still shocking to me that that's a hard thing to sell people on yeah but also if i think about it it's really not still shocking as much as people see right. cannabis coming becoming legal 
it's still a little of a novelty to certain people, especially if sure. you're not a consumer, if you felt you felt yourself not part of this space, it's still kind of a novelty to you. So you're thinking, oh, ha ha. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just talk about weed. Uh, just list your favorite strains. You know what I mean? Like you'll get that story all day, but no, I got a, I got a good story. Let's talk about politics and cannabis. Let's talk about how past issues in, in the black community will actually stop people from getting involved in this space, no matter how open it is for you. Like that's a right. bigger issue that I feel like than lack of resources or lack of money that we still have in the black community, a stigma where cannabis is still such a, such a touchy topic where you feel like the minute you talk about it, you're, you're about to get arrested. There's a lot of people right. still feel that way. So we need to, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cross sections that cannabis can be, be, be introduced when it comes to um, mainstream media outlets, but they're nervous, you know, and I can see why, I, I, I guess, <laughs> you know, but every 420, you see, they, they seem to jump on stories. So I don't know why you can't keep that going through the rest of the, keep that energy going through the rest of the year. It's so strange. Ugh. I mean, even actual publications that are supposed to be cannabis publications are, are acting like it's a novelty. I mean, I just, oh. I was writing for the news station for a while and they were defunded. Uh, over Christmas and all of my stories are gone and the whole time I was writing for them the editor everyone that was higher up acted like it was a novelty I was like sure yeah. write whatever you want sure but it was like like yeah. this isn't going to last you know it had that kind of attitude like yeah all right well we'll see yeah. how this goes and even okay. the editors made fun of like even the comments and the edits it was like very um like uh antagonistic you know and yeah. it was weird. It was just a weird thing. Um, I mean, weird's the only word I can come up with right now for it. <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> experience sometimes being uh, a journalist in this space. Um, yeah. <laughs> so your journalism background leads you to explore the many intersections of cannabis and politics. Mm -hmm. And you've interviewed a lot of politicians. What are some yeah. of the more surprising revelations you've uncovered in your interviews and discussions? Ah, some of the more surprising revelations. Uh, well, one revelation is not so surprising, but when it comes, you know, so it goes back to this, the conversation we were just having about why cannabis is still looked at as a novelty. Almost any time a politician comes on our show prior to them running for, having to run for an office or they're trying to be reelected, they'll automatically start talking about what they're about to do for people who are either um, how we're going to de how we're going to uh, um, decriminalize cannabis, um, how we're going to tackle uh, people who are incarcerated. They'll always get on these kind of topics. Now, whether or not they follow through after they get elected, Joe Biden is a whole other story. You know what I mean? But but the the second you're about to run, somehow this becomes a topic of your of, of your campaign. And I feel right. like that's one thing that, that that's really jumped out to me. Like I have a lot of politicians who have come on the show. And some of them, such as um, Kwanzaa Hall. Kwanzaa Hall is running for lieutenant governor right now in Georgia, but he's also he also was in the um, House of Representatives right now. When he first was running for mayor of Atlanta, he came on our show, and he had mentioned that he wanted to decriminalize cannabis in Fulton County. At that time, the only place I could really think of that was decriminalized was um, Clarkston, thanks to um, Ted Terry, was, was okay. decriminalized. So it was kind of a shocking revelation. He said he was going to make it happen. He was on the city council. So we actually... I mean, to watch that happen a week later was amazing to me. Like, he was wow. one of the few people who did that. Yeah, he's one of the few people who did that. But that's other than amazing. that, that's one, of the, 
Yeah, it really was. It's one of the it's one of the um the 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 key moments of our show that I can always talk about. That I I was there when that happened, and that happened on our show, and it was a conversation that happened on our show that made that happen. So oh, um, that just gave me like them. a tingle. Like that's so cool. That's so cool <laughs> to have something like that happen. That's what you want yeah, that, to happen, right? Yes, yes, that's what you want to happen. But also, you get the other side of politicians. Like they will probably right. make these promises because apparently they realize like people who consume cannabis and who are interested in this in this topic and who are part of this culture also vote that they come and they try to um they try to basically um sell you on why they need you need to vote for them based on their quick understanding or quick care about what you care about now whether or not they carry that into what they what whether or not they carry that through the rest of their term or if they get elected through the rest of their time is a whole nother thing. But I find that this really weird that around same thing I say about publications around 420 seem all of y'all seem to be interested and want to talk about cannabis. It's is this April 21st. You stop caring. Right. So the same thing with politicians, like some uh, around the time it's time to run for elections, something about y'all says, let's go talk about cannabis. And then after you get elected is, all right, we'll get back to that. Um, that's right. one of the revelations I found. Um, there's one, there's one politician. I won't mention his name, though. I'm pretty sure he'd be proud to hear this. We had one politician who came on our show, and this was the the uh, you talk about a mind blowing moment. He came on our show, and normally when we have politicians in studio, we have a thing called no, um, we have a no smoking zone. So uh-huh. I don't want to ever get somebody tied up. I don't ever want to be the reason you got um, pictured in the studio and somebody says he's smoking weed or look like he's smoking weed. So I'd be like, hey. Until this person, we until this person leaves the studio and is at the red light, the cross between Walker Street and Nelson, nobody lights up. Nobody lights up. But in one instance, we had a politician who was running for a prominent position in in Georgia who came by our show after going on, after being part of a debate, and he had a joint in his ear. And wow. He walked in the studio and he lit a joint, and he was mad we weren't smoking. <laughs> he was mad we weren't smoking and i told him i said bro I'm, i didn't i'm gonna wait for you to finish honestly like i'm not gonna take part in nothing until right. you are out of the studio but that's right. happened too so we've had a lot of great revelations man i think um pro politics i'm pro voting um i'm not pro any one particular party to be completely honest with you but i'm definitely right. open to conversations coming to our show because i feel like it's needed like it's part of destigmatizing this conversation you shouldn't be fearful of coming to this show because the name is Cash Color Cannabis. You should be fearful that I might ask you some questions you can't answer. I love <laughs> more, that. More than, more than anything, but don't be scared because you hear the name cannabis in this that you should be worried about what your constituents yeah. are going to say. Don't be worried about that. Your do, constituents do smoke, you, trust me. Do you have any uh, like dream politicians that you would have any dream questions for if you got like no holes bar, you can ask oh, anything. I'd love to have Stacey Abrams on. Um, I'm actually Ooh. good friends with Insay Ufot, who's um, executive director of the Nash- of the New Georgia Project down here, and she is she's worked with Stacey for a while. And um, I I remember throwing that in her ear when when Insay was on the show. I'd love to have Stacey Abrams on. I'd love to speak to her about her poly- her how she feels about cannabis legalization, especially if you become governor of Georgia. Like, how do you feel about the stagnant MM, MMJ um, program that we have here in Georgia that for three years hasn't happened, even though right. it was supposed to happen? You know, like, what would you be able to do and how would you be able to help these patients and how would you be able to help people who are being over, who are being totally affected by some of these archaic laws that still go on in Georgia? I would love to have this conversation with her. Um, but amazing. yeah, Stacey Abrams would be number one on my list. Um, 
He's not a he's not a politician anymore, but I still love to have Barack Obama on the show. I love to uh, chop up with him. Right. And John Boehner. You know, I would love to talk to John Boehner. John Boehner was staunchly anti-cannabis until he left office. <laughs> then somehow he, invited, he found himself involved in the company. I'd love to talk about that transition, <laughs> sir. Let's talk about right. that. What made you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like Stacey is the type of politician that wouldn't just give you rote answers. Like, she would say, like, let no. me learn with you. Let me learn about I agree. This. You know, I agree. So I agree. Cool. I actually like Stacey. I, I like Stacey a yeah. lot. I think that she should be governor of this. I think she should have been governor of this of this state a little while ago. But I definitely feel oh, like she sure. should be governor. Of, yeah. Yeah. I I don't hold politicians up to any certain degree of you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do really like her, and I think that she's legit. So yes. 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 Let's talk about your approach to journalism, which is a lot like mine in that it's generalist. You talk about a lot mm-hmm. of different topics. Um, yes. you, you cover pretty much everything. Have you received any pushback about your line of questioning ever, or has anyone made it difficult for you to chase a certain lead? No, no, I wish they would. No, <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would. No, the, 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 the craziest part is the hardest the hardest people to interview at times are rappers, and it's primarily because rappers are normally so on. Um, they they're normally such in a such defense mode anyway when they're speaking to 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 to, um, to journalists Media. nowadays anyway, journalists, yeah. bloggers, podcasts, and whatever you want to call them, they're normally on defense anyway because more than more times than not, somebody's trying to catch them in something. So um, yeah. it's, 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 that could be the hardest thing sometimes. Like I, again, but being my, my background is journal is hip hop journalism, so I know how to kind of uh, take people's defense missiles down and kind of get you into a cool mode. But um, yeah, that could be the hardest sometimes. Like it's never a pushback in questions, but it's a, it's normally you gotta get through the yes, no's, the one the one line, the one word answers for a little while. You gotta get used them used to you speaking with them and learning that. All right, he's not an enemy. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times right. dealing with, I mean, politicians go through the same thing. You'll deal with people who are more trying to get you to have a gotcha moment, kind of like um, um, Parks and Rec, kind of have a gotcha moment versus okay. actually having a conversation with you. And I'm not trying to have a gotcha moment with you. Like, I'm not, I'm not interested in going viral because you said something stupid. I wouldn't go viral anyway. I've had plenty of people say stupid pushback i ever get is when i have like editors going like what the hell does this mean basically and then i have to go back to the person and go i what the hell does this mean <laughs> oh i can talk about my distaste for working for outlets in cannabis at this moment yeah. which i do oh, write, write do. for several <laughs> i have no yes, i have no are. problem airing my airing my grievances i have Neither huge I. issues dealing with <laughs> ma- cannabis media right now um it's just like wow man like for one, I always, I, the main reason I started Cash Color Cannabis is because I needed freedom of expression. And I felt like I wasn't getting that anymore. Like people are really mm-hmm. micromanaging at this point. You have editors who aren't really even involved in in, in, the, in stories anymore. It's just It was just right. really weird to me. Oh, so I started, yeah. doing my, I started doing Cash Color Cannabis. And Cash Color Cannabis literally gave me the freedom that I, was, I, I absolutely needed from the very beginning of what I wanted to do. Like I wasn't being how... How I wasn't being hit over the head about who the person is. Is this person big enough or anything like that? Or like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's going to be a good conversation. But when you start diving back into the pool of working for other people, 
You start getting mm-hmm. those questions again, and you talk about grinding my gears, man. I don't care if this. I don't care if this story doesn't go viral. Like I'm not waiting for right. you to post this story because you're waiting for the viral moments. You might have missed several viral moments waiting for it. You never know. Stuff doesn't go yeah. viral because you said so. You know what I mean? Right. And also stop being so pressed about something going viral. Like what happened to just putting out good stories? Isn't this what we're supposed to be out here doing? Yeah, I mean, put out the evergreen stories and your publication will last. Look at what you've got going yeah. on. I mean, Cash Color Kings yeah. has been around for a while now. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm a testament to that, man. It's, it's about, you know, you got to start really putting out the stuff and letting the audience decide whether or not this is good. You don't decide that. We're, we're not, as journalists, we're not supposed to be dictators. You don't tell people what it is. You're supposed to allow right. these people to get to what it is. And that's the one thing that still bu- I bump my head with when it comes to, still freelancing and still you know i got dragged into yeah. freelancing the last couple of months but still freelancing for right. other, other publications it's like wow man this story's been sitting in y'all queue for about three months now when you're gonna publish yep. it i mean i got the check but it, i'd rather right. have my story than have you pay me and i know who you're talking about <laughs> exactly <laughs> right now <laughs> i'd much rather have my, yeah. my story than you pay me i'd much rather yeah. that Exactly. It's like, I can say a lot of things to the feeling, oh, well, did they pay you? Oh, yeah, but you know what? Like, that's mm-hmm. so messed up that that's our bar as journalists and freelancers because, yes, we, we that's the other part of it. We're usually chasing down checks, and it's like, yeah, you might have a cool editor, but you might not get paid for a long time. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's tough, but I'm so, so inspired to see that you're still doing this, and uh, it's so important what you're doing. And that's why you were invited to speak to um, the NYU Silver students. Do you want to yes. talk about how the media covers the war on drugs? How You've talked to them about it. Do you want to talk about that yes. experience? Yes, yes. And um, thank you to my good friend, Tahi Chappelle, um, for, for recommending me. He's actually recommended me several times for things. And I always got to say thank you for that because you got to have friends who will mention your name when you're not around. Right. Um, but that experience was amazing, man, and um, it was really cool, you know, to be able to speak to the students. Students were very engaging as well. They were they were they were very open to um, having converse, this conversation, and I thought it was just really one of those. Yeah, I just walked. I remember when I was done with it, I just kind of sat down. Was like, man, I can't believe I just did that, you know, and and was yeah. able to speak about, you know, just the way I, me growing up in the eighties, um, I, I was able to see kind of how media did take a take a how media kind of did cover the war on drugs, the quote unquote war on drugs, to now where I'm watching the same war on opioids be, cha- be be treated a whole lot different. You know what I mean? Like even to this moment, like to know how people, the, what was it, um, the crack baby, the, the, the conversation yeah. about what a crack baby is. Like, you know, we, right. we really, a, a story that's so salacious that really isn't true. Like, you know, that, that, that wasn't even close to true but was turning people against people in our community. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, oh my gosh, it was just so wild to see that even those kind of stories take off or the stories about who was a drug dealer and who wasn't a drug dealer. Like to this moment, I feel like we really need to go back and um, look at how the media honestly covered what was happening around that time from who was selling drugs to who were victims of drugs. We need to really start looking at that and compare it to what you're seeing right now when people speak about this opioid epidemic, which is, on my, in my feelings, it's totally equal to what you saw back then. People are dying left and right. It's, a, it's, it's something that people are getting hooked on and you, don't even, you might not even know a person's hooked on it in your family. But the way it's being treated is almost like 
wow, we it's, it's so much more compassion versus what I saw growing up. And yeah, it was a great conversation. Yeah. And I was, I was glad yeah. to be able to introduce that to that class. It was a great conversation. That is, I bet that's a great conversation and it has changed so yeah. much. And I know we're almost out of time, so we won't go too deep into it, but I've written about the opioid crisis and I've seen firsthand <laughs> the messed up situation of like, they had a whole ring going on. You know, many of these rings oh. were going on. And, and instead of looking at that, like, who is actually the person providing the drugs, who's setting up the system in these areas, specific areas targeting specific people. It, that's what it always is, you know? <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. like where's the where is that discussion all the time about about these so-called epidemics? Like these are created. These are created yes. by the people making all the money and they know exactly what they're doing. And and we don't yes. focus on that. Ever pharmaceutical companies were making money hand over fist, setting helping setting up these pill these pill mills and 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 these 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 shady pill companies that off that that are that are um positioned off the highways and stuff like that. You knew this was going on. This wasn't new in your life. Please, when I was living in South Florida like eight years ago, I took a photo of um I have a screenshot still of this. It said business plan for like um drug rehab. And it was Mm -hmm. basically what they used to do is they would pay the people in rehab to go and get other people hooked back on the opioids and get into the program. And then they would themselves fail the test and have to go back in the program. It was like the whole circle of just putting them back into the program, going to the pill mills, getting, you know, failing the drug test, having to go back around again through treatment going and and like the they were charging these places are charging like a thousand dollars for urine tests and they're putting it all in their pocket i mean it goes so so deep it's not even just the pharmaceutical companies you know um but anyway (laughs) again that's another (laughs) it's just like those are the things i'm saying like it's it's all it's all designed to be like that you know it's designed to go against the person who really needs the help the most is really what a lot of bonuses a lot of a lot of bonus checks got paid out yeah yeah exactly for absolutely no care to who it hurt or anyway Mm -hmm. but so before we end, do you have anything that you would like to promote or any calls to action? Oh, man. Well, one call to action, please. Go to Spotify, go to um, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, wherever you stream podcasts, and subscribe to the Cash Color Cannabis Podcast. Um, help us help us hit the, help us go up the rankings, man. I want to one day be able to look up and see the Cash Color Cannabis, a show that's really called Cash Color Cannabis, ranked around amongst the top 10 podcasts out there. And that we did it without having to be um, um, just a clown show. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like a lot right. of podcasts nowadays are just, I'm not, you know, we're, we're not the typical show. I don't, I don't smoke on air. I don't encourage my, my even guests to smoke on air. We can smoke off air, but I would love to have just a conversation about just what we're about to talk about. I don't want, I don't want the, us smoking weed to be, to take over the story. So I feel like we do it in just in a, very traditional way of, of, of having interviews. And I think that we should support that uh, as much as we support every, anything else. So please go hit the subscribe button on Cash Color Canvas Podcast. We have a lot of dope episodes coming up. Um, right now, the most recent episode is, and I'll, actually it might not be recent by the time this episode drops, but our most recent episode right now is with XXX found, church founder, Craig Gross, and uh-huh. his mission to bring out spiritual cannabis. 
and to, he's dropping a he's dropping a line of Christian cannabis, and mm-hmm. I thought his story was amazing. Please go listen to that. His testimony is crazy. I love it. Um, but we have a lot of ma- major stories coming down the pipeline. I had a chance to speak with Andrea James, who is the executive director of the council. Please do your research on her. She's been helping a lot of women get um, become. She's been helping a lot of women who um, who are incarcerated gain their freedom. And hopefully she's going to see 100 people, 100 women get free this year. So um, That's I, amazing. I, I loved her. Yeah, I loved her story. And she's going to be her episode is going to be dropping um, sometime this week as well. And we just have a lot of great, great shows coming down the pipeline. So please subscribe to the show. Um, we are back working on our, on our web series, Cash Color Canvas Presents. You can watch that now on Unscripted TV. Um, Unscripted TV is a black woman owned um, streaming platform based out of D.C., and I'm I'm so honored to be able to work with them and, and help develop this new content that we're working on. So check that out. And also, you know, if you ever want to support us, you can support us through Atlantis Clothing. You can stop by our website, AtlantisClothing.com, or you can go to our Instagram page at Atlantis Clothing. And if you see something you like, hit us in the DM and, and make a purchase. And I'll get that order out to you as soon as possible. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. And I really hope that you come yeah. back on anytime. Oh, anytime, Diana. Thank you. Especially now that we got, got all the kinks worked out, man. We, we definitely <laughs> are going to go now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Until next time, stay high and beautiful. Bye. Awesome. Bye. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Your Highness Podcast or on Twitter at Highness Podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe.